Hello, and welcome to Heart of Medicine. Losing a patient can be a life-changing event as a doctor. Yet we as doctors are so used to dealing with death every day that we really have to pick ourselves up even after we lose our patient and go right on so we can take care of the next patient. We never talk about it, but yet we're never the same after one of our patients dies. It can really destroy us both emotionally and shake up our confidence. We ask ourselves questions like, was it something I did? Was it something I missed? How do we deal with this grief? Today on Heart of Medicine, we will share our stories of loss in medicine and how we cope as physicians and healers when our patient dies. I'm your host, Dr. Pyle Coley, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Dr. Hari Daidu and Dr. Suzanne Barron. Hey guys. Hey Kyle. Hi. So, you know, guys, for us, it's always been that balance about caring when our patient dies and grieving and recovering, but yet being able to pull ourselves together so we can go on to the next patient, which we have to do. So for me, that balance has been very difficult to, to strike. And there are days when I bring that grief home with me or I don't cope with it. But I'm hoping one of you can share a story of a patient's death that you encountered that stayed with you throughout your career and tell us why it was so impactful. Definitely a heavy topic, um, but I think something that's, you know, important for us to talk about um, and, you know, to acknowledge, you know, I, I think for me as an interventionalist, you know, there's almost two kinds of patient deaths. There's the patient death of the patient I've been following for a long time in clinic and I've established, you know, a long relationship with and what that, how that feels when that patient, you know, finally passes away. And then I think there's the deaths that happen, you know, in the cath lab or or soon after a cath lab procedure, where in those cases, often the patient came in super sick um, to begin with. But your whole goal in the cath lab, you know, what I don't want to speak for you, Hari, but the whole reason I went into it is I was like, I want to, I want to help people. I want somebody's coming in and they're in distress, and I want to fix that. And when you can't, and when you don't, it's really tough. I remember having a patient who had presented uh, with uh, a non-ST elevation MI a heart attack and was, uh, you know, rapidly going into uh, cardiogenic shock. And, you know, we brought uh, him to the cath lab. And as we were getting him on the table, he looked at me and said, "Please, please don't let me die. I, I've got, I've got, a, I've got two kids at home. I need to go home to them." And I looked at him and said, you know, we're going to, we've got you, I've got you, we're going to do everything we can. And, you know, he, like I said, he was rapidly going into shock. We, you know, almost immediately uh, had to place him on uh, ECMO. Um, he was intubated. And unfortunately, you know, within a couple of days, it was, it was clear uh, that he, he didn't, he, he didn't survive. Um, and he had had a lot of medical uh, issues as well. But I remember going and talking to his wife, you know, after he passed in the in the ICU and saying, you know, how sorry I was and that, you know, we you know, had done everything we can. And and she was so wonderful and, and stoic and thanking the whole team for taking care of him. I remember she looked at me and said, how do I tell my kids my dad, his, their dad's not coming home? And I just, I will always remember that moment of just sitting in that room with her and her saying that and just looking at me and I had nothing to say. I guess, how do you tell it? How do you tell somebody that? How do you tell a child that? I went home that night and walked in the door and my husband was like, hey, how was your day? And I burst, like absolutely just burst into tears. 
and I'm not a crier. Like I barely cry. Like, there's a joke that I'm dead inside. So, and this was very out of character for me. Um, and I just, I just burst into tears because I was like, no, I just can't. I just can't right now. It's just, it, it really does. It, it really, it really feel. You really feel it. Suzanne, it's such a great story. I mean, and it's it's interesting that you say that because just a few weeks ago, there was a, a picture of a doctor crying that circulated on social media that got a lot of attention. And it actually raised the fact that researchers in Canada uh, that studied oncologists found that many people in the scientific community actually think that grief is considered shameful and unprofessional. And in some ways, it's a sign of a weaker physician if they grieve. And so I'm really fascinated to hear your reaction, especially as an interventionist, because I feel like for you and Hurry, the expectations for you as physicians are that you're the cavalry, right? You're going to come in when somebody's in their yeah. big bad heart attack and save their lives. And and when that doesn't happen, I mean, I mean does it feel like a failure to you guys? Does it feel yeah. personal? You know, we're so used to in this day and age that we do come in and we're able to save most people. And, uh, you know, through patients coming in at a reasonable time and all the tools that we have, we're able to do it. And so we're oftentimes very happy. We go back to the waiting room. We tell the family, you know, it was a, a big heart attack, but he's stabilized now. And in my experience, he's going to do just fine. And uh, he'll be here for such and such number of days. And, you know, we've been decreasing the number of days that somebody's in the hospital. So we've gotten so good at that. But if you play with fire long enough, you're going to be burned. And so eventually uh, there are patients who are beyond hope and you do everything and they still pass away. Um, and sometimes it's in, it's in, you know, really horrible, tremendous, dramatic fashion right in front of your eyes. And that, those are the things that are very tough for us to deal with because we didn't go into it for that. We went into it for the other award of feeling better that we're able to really be there for someone when they need us. So in those times where people just spiral down, I think we look at ourselves in the mirror and just want to make sure that a, we did everything we could. B, we, you know, we had the skill sets and we kept up on our skill sets enough to do it. So we didn't feel any, we don't feel as, you know, guilt that we could have done something better. Um, and then I think a lot of our statements to the family really are guided by that, whether we feel that we did everything that we can. And then we just kind of sit with the family there for some time just to share that moment that uh, unfortunately this happened and we're all upset by it, including including ourselves, which is the truth. I do think that this whole stoic mentality comes from the fact that when you do it for a long time, you kind of figure out a way to keep moving on, which gives the impression that you're being stoic about it, but but you really do take it inside. But I think you just kind of weigh that that the the magnitude of the benefits you've you've done through your lifetime are so great that you that you know this is going to happen at some point. And that might get misconstrued as being callous, but really it's just that we we over time see that this is sort of part and parcel to what we have to deal with. And unfortunately, it's 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 just part of part of cardiology at that point. I think it ends up being that you have to compartmentalize in some ways. Because a lot of the times, you know, occasionally this happens and there's nothing else to do afterwards. But a lot of the times the day is continuing and there are other patients that are counting on you. Um, and you have to be able to, yeah, you know, yeah. take care of the next patient um, and they deserve your, you know, full attention and your full focus. Um, and so I think it ends up being something that I agree with you. I don't think that it's so much that we're being stoic as so much as we're just kind of pushing it aside for the moment um, to manage the rest of what's in front of you. And then managing it afterwards is a personal thing for different people. Some people say, and I think this is probably a 
good idea that if you have a, a really, you know, a case like that where someone dies on the table, oftentimes people say that you should probably cancel the rest of your elected cases. I never did that back in the day, but I think it's probably a wise thing to do because you have to also sit back and figure out what happened, you know, re really readdress it in your mind and, and get yourself back in shape for that next case. And if it's an elective case, you can always delay that for that. So I, I think that's probably a good idea at this point. There's a difference between compartmentalizing and coping. And I think both of those are necessary strategies for us as physicians because, yeah, we do need to set it aside for that minute. But my concern has become that over time, oftentimes we just keep setting it aside, putting it in that box and never really opening that box and letting it out, never really coping. And maybe, Suzanne, that's what led to that crying episode because it's the cumulative damage over the years of, you know, watching death after death. And and for us as physicians, we're almost set up in an adversarial role against death, you know, because it's us versus death and we're fighting disease, we're fighting death. And most of the times we're victorious. And it's the times where death wins, where we can feel like it's either a personal failure, it's a personal loss, or if, if we're a physician who's already struggling with some other aspect of our life or burnout or something else that affects us as physicians, it can really sometimes be that final nail in the coffin that can send us down a negative spiral and, and make us less confident, make us less able to trust our skills, make us question if we did something wrong. So it's really, really amazing how it impacts us. And yet we never talk about it. These are not the conversations that I often have with my friends, we don't talk about losing patients, we talk about the saves that we made. Now, it's interesting that there's an Australian oncologist and author, her name is Ranjana Srivastava, who actually says that the grief that doctors feel is usually having a positive impact on their performance. So she's very much of a glass half full type of person. And, and as an oncologist, I can imagine that she sort of has to be that way because she deals with the grief reaction almost all the time. I'm wondering what you guys think about that. Do you think it can actually help us to be better doctors if we lose our patients? And also, is it different if the loss is expected, as in the case of an oncologist, versus unexpected and sudden, as in the case of, you know, uh, for us often as cardiologists? I think what helps us to be better is to is to feel attached to your patients. Now you don't you don't get attached to your patients in the ones that just, you know, that come in at three AM in the morning, you never met them before. But I think this is more important for oncology or other fields or even in cardiology where you're taking care of patients for a long time. I think some people say, at least in medical school, they oftentimes tell people to not get attached to your patients because that could be harmful to you later on. I think that's the opposite. And that and I think that's what this uh, this physician is mentioning, which is that being uh, present for your patients and being part of the story, their healthcare story, and your role in it as their physician and and uh, and um, you know, care uh, care uh, take our caregiver um, is actually very beneficial because you have a stake in the ground in their in the course of their care, and that allows you to be a better doctor. It does mean then that it will be painful when you lose them. And so I think it's, it's it's sort of part of that whole dogma that you know if, if you're hurt that means that you've had something that got hurt you were there for the you were there for the keeps. And I think there's something to that that doctors should be there for their patients and if you're going to be there for your patients it's going to be painful when something happens and you're going to feel guilty about it you're going to look to see whether you could have done something differently. You know I also take a lot, a lot of HCM patients and they have this risk of having cardiac arrest and that's by definition 
hard to predict, but we do these algorithms. And every once in a while, I get burned where somebody passes away or I've had patients who their you know nephew or niece passes away in some other state. It's not my responsibility. I'm not taking care of that patient, but we'll always feel guilty that something happened to our patient that was beyond our control or that we maybe could we have figured that out and warned somehow or done something differently. And I think that makes you a good doctor. I think that's what they're getting at is that you were worried that you're worried about it. It did impact you. And that makes you a real doctor, not just a, not just a provider for, for lack of a better word. Well, I think what you're touching on there is, is that it, it reminds us that we're human too. And to be totally honest, you know, again, I don't cry. Uh, really, really not. And, but, you know, every once in a while, you know, and I'm kind of glad that I could feel that, 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 you know, I don't ever want to be the type of doctor that doesn't feel sad or doesn't feel some form of emotion when a patient dies um, because it's a patient, it's somebody's mom, it's somebody's dad, it's, you know, somebody's family member who's passed away and their lives, their family's lives are never going to be the same after this. And, I think it's an important part of humanity to, you know, acknowledge that. And then I think the other part of it is, is I, you know, the other glass half full of it is, is I like to think that with, you know, every patient's death, w- whether it's expected or unexpected, that, you know, I look at my own practice and say, what can I do better for the next time? You know, right. and, and so from a, right. yeah, so from a catheterization standpoint, I, I mean, I can certainly say I, We'll, you know, have friends look at films and say, hey, would you have done X or Y or should I have thought about this or things like that? You know, for for patients I see in clinic, you know, hey, should I, you know, like you said, Hari, like, should we have been reaching out to other, you know, that sort of stuff, reaching out to family members and things like that, you know, about, you know, sudden cardiac death risk. And so that at the very least, I can feel like that, you know, I have tried to be better for the next uh, the next patient uh, and the next patient's family that comes under my care. I think we're to sort of touching on two things here. Uh, one is that medicine is an art, not a science always. And so you're painting a different palette for every patient. And when a patient of yours who you painted a palette for has a bad outcome, you do always kind of look back and say, how can I do this different next time? Or are there any learning yeah. takeaways from right. this? But also, Suzanne, you mentioned the emotional, the human aspect of this, that we do feel those emotions. And I think we feel them even for people we just met. Like, it, it, you know, of course, the ones that have been with you for many years, it's very different. But I had a patient just recently in my practice and he was having recurrent syncopal episodes. And, you know, I put in a loop recorder in him and that day he brought me a big box of chocolates. And literally a week later, he fell and passed away. And we still don't know. We interrogated the loop recorder and it's not clear if it was the chicken or the egg, you know, if he had something happen that caused the wide complex rhythm or the other way around. But I, I haven't been able to touch those chocolates because it's the last sign of him that I have. And I just met him. I haven't known him for long, but it was such a it was such a human moment where, you know, he's, he thought I was doing something to help him by putting in this device and he brought me a gift and and, and we bonded. Yeah. And for me, I, I, I still can't answer the question about how we cope. Because I feel like I often don't cope. I just put it in a box and leave it in the back of my mind. And yes, I move on for the next patient. I think about the science and I think about the medicine. But how do you guys cope? I mean, there's been some published data from the American College of Surgeons that says that reaching out to the family and talking to them can help. And I actually yeah, talked to yeah. his brother and he told me about his, you know, his service and all that. And that de- definitely helped me. But are there strategies that you all have? 
I, I don't know about strategies, but I definitely the one the patients who stick out in my mind and have become memorable or even you know good friends. I, I do a lot with my patients. I've I've met some of them at the Knicks games. I've uh, taken my son to see them at the, if they have one of them had like an antique car collection. We do that, and I've stayed. I think I talked about this before. I stayed at some of their bed and breakfasts, and so I have some real memories with some of my patients. And the ones that I have memorable moments with, even the ones who just kind of some of them just bring cookies. Somebody brought cookies today. So these are, oh, this patient always brings cookies. You just always remember these gestures. They become part of our story on on how we are existing in our life in terms of what we're expecting uh, when that patient shows up. And so coping, oftentimes I have called the family, like you said, and, and it's a difficult conversation because there is no right thing to say. Just like anybody else who's passed away, when you call, all, all you can do is say that you're sorry for the loss, but the challenge for a physician is that we always feel partly guilty because they were putting their faith in our hands and they don't really know. We don't really know what they feel about that. Do they feel we did a good job or do they feel that we missed something? And I think we will always feel guilty that maybe we could have done something better. But I think the best coping is still to reach out um, and and say something because it it defines that moment that you feel that you've... uh, been able to reach out and do something uh, to give of yourself during that time. And I think that usually is very, very appreciative. Have you ever gone to a patient service or or would you? Do you think that? I have. No, no, I have. I've done two or three and it's usually patients I've had. You know, I've been to three different hospitals and I moved and my patients stayed with me. So I have patients that have been with me already 15 to 20 years. So some of the, and their kids and, you know, so um, yeah, those people, there's no question. There's definitely several families where I would, I know several people in the family, especially HCM with a genetic disease, I would have to go um, and I would feel willing to go and uh, I think embraced as part of the family for those. And it's, I think it's very important to do that. Uh, it's it's part of our journey as people, which means we have to just, you know, cancel that day and do it. I've done it only two or three times, maybe three times, but it is worthwhile and you do feel good about yourself no matter how busy you are. I've done the same thing. I've I've also gone to a couple of patients' funerals um, as well, and and like you said, they they are the folks who who I've known for longer, um, and who you know just developed a special bond. And I'd like to think that the family was understood that you know that they that this was more than just you know my nine fifteen appointment. That they understood that you know I that this patient you know meant something to me, and hopefully I helped them. Um, so I think it's worthwhile to do in, in selected cases, for sure. Uh, you know, Suzanne, you said something about coming home and bursting into tears in front of your husband. So, you know, how do we leave our grief at work? Because sometimes I worry that we're bringing the baggage from our jobs into all the other aspects of our lives. And and part of that, I think, is human. I mean, obviously, our family members and friends are there to support us. But part of it almost seems unfair to them if we're doing it on a more regular basis. So we can't leave our briefcase at work, right? We can't leave our pager at work. We have to bring that home. But how do we leave the emotions at work without letting those penetrate the other parts of our life? I mean, I, that's a tough one. But I think that's that's something that we all have to just try to be uh, cognizant of. Are we angry? Are we upset? Or how much is that affecting the people around us? Obviously, you can't completely control it, uh, but you just have to be cognizant of it and make sure. I mean, it shouldn't happen all the time, but when it really affects you, there is a coping process, as you mentioned, that will take some time. It'll take, depending on how hard it was and what are the ramifications, it may take sometimes weeks for the really dramatic ones. And so as long as you're 
I think that you just got to try to be uh, mature about seeing whether it's affecting and, and asking people, you know, how they're perceiving it around you to make sure that you're not unduly bringing that that burden to everybody else. Yeah, I mean, it's just hard because sometimes you just come home in a cranky mood, <laughs> not because anyone necessarily died, but because your patients are just not doing well, or you know, they're 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 kind of circling the drain, or things aren't going how you expect it. You know, so sometimes it can be very subtle and not necessarily so clear. And and there's a cumulative effect because over the course of years and years and years of taking care of critical care patients it can start to really build up and and wear on you. So I think you're right that your family members have to be your mirrors and let you know. But I also think it's it, it's continuously a cross that we bear. You know, how do we separate our professional and our personal lives? Yeah, I think it's harder for oncology in some of those fields. Thankfully, in cardiology, I think we have more victories than, than these. And so we end up bringing more positive energy, hopefully. But it's still something that we have to deal with from time to time. Well, I want to thank you both for sharing your stories, and I want to thank our listeners for listening. Uh, we hope that you will write in with questions, comments, and reactions. Uh, if you've ever lost a patient, how you've coped with it, what are the challenges, what are the victories that you can share with us. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow us on Google, Apple, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you do like what you hear, please do review us. Until next time. This podcast is sponsored by Asperion Therapeutics. Asperion Therapeutics, providing the next step in getting patients to their LDL cholesterol goal. Visit www.asperionscience.com to learn more. <laughs>